Crypto giants are coming together to rate coins. The number of crypto wallets is at an all-time high. John McAfee is still standing by his $1 million Bitcoin prediction. And gold seems to be currently preferred over Bitcoin as a safe haven for concerned investors. The SEC has settled their charges with Block One, and Libra moves forward, but some participants are beginning to question their involvement. And it is game on as Travis and myself go head ahead in a friendly crypto investing competition. What happens next? Well, you'll have to tune in and find out on our bad news episode number 316 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. If you're trying to figure out how to tune in to the show, well, you already have. It's not like a radio dial. You just go to your podcast player and hit play, and you are tuned in. I'm Joel Kahn. I'm Travis Wright, and you're listening to 107.4. You're not. The sounds of Bitcoin. Oh, so smooth. KBTC. Spinning stacks and stacks of hot doge all day long. Stacks and stats of sats. <laughs> I'm stacking sats on my coin miner, Mr. Travis Wright. Yeah, I think we both I, are. I, pull, I pulled up my coin mine one. Um, well, I'll just pull it up right now. Timestamp, October 3rd, 12.15 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I have mined on my coin mine one $3.42 worth of Ethereum, 41,945 sats. Mm, very nice. Congratulations, Mr. Joel Kahn. It's very exciting. Stacking you know what, if, those, if, if those stats become more, you know, if Bitcoin becomes worth a million dollars, those stats will be worth a nice little chunk. Because there's a hundred mil, what is there, a hundred million Satoshis in a Bitcoin? So, very nice. something like that. Yeah. I got 33,000 yeah. stats because I, I got mine after you. Yeah, catch up. Well, you got yours first and immediately opened it and put it in. And I had to, I didn't get mine until the next day. Mine faster. Gosh. Get the hamsters running on the wheels there. Right on, and our show sponsor this episode is eToro. The best way to be smart about trading crypto is to use your, the smartest trading platform. That's why we love to tell you about eToro, one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over a trillion dollars in trading volume on the platform per year, which is a lot. That's a lot of zeros. And U.S. customers can trade with the most popular crypto assets. There's 15 different cryptos in there you can trade and uh, very low fees. And what's cool about it is you can actually follow 11 million different eToro traders. You can find the ones that are doing the best and you can discuss trading and chart. And you can actually copy their trades, which is pretty cool. So create an account today. You can do it at badco.in. That spells badcoin, badco.in forward slash eToro. And if you do that and sign up and deposit at least 50 bucks and get yourself your first position, We'll send you a pair of bad crypto socks, bad coin socks that say bad crypto on them. Very handsome, very red, very black, very nice. Much crypto. Mm -hmm. Excite. Yeah, so for as long as they last, and we are running out of them. Also, Mr. Travis Wright and I have begun a friendly competition using eToro. Uh, we've each got $1,500 that we deposited into our accounts, and we are investing individually and the goal here is to see who can make the best investments on the platform that's true and what that's what's really cool about not only can you follow bad crypto in our little friendly competition but as i mentioned you can follow a lot of these other 
top traders and they have you know they have top traders you can see their risk and you can see how you know good they are and actually we have a, a great uh interview coming up uh with mati greenspan who is their uh, lead research analyst he'll be coming up in the next i believe it's coming out next week and you're gonna want to tune into that because he's done very well on on trading and he understands how it all works and so we talked to him about the platform in general but uh, very good and i don't know very- about you travis but i'm already down i'm down 27 dollars on my investment. I'm at 1473 right now. Congratulations. I'm at 1441. Mm. Again, crypto market goes yeah. up, crypto market goes down. All right, well, let's go to the news. Timestamp 1218 on October 3rd Mountain Standard Time. Coingecko.com, the market cap is sad. 217 billion almost. Bitcoin 8145, Ethereum 173, XRP 24 and a half cents. Bitcoin Cash almost 220. Tether a buck. Litecoin just shy of 56. EOS 292. Binance Coin 1550. Bitcoin SV 82. And rounding out the top 10 is Cardano at 3.7 centavos. I'm rounding out the top 11 is Stellar at 5.8 cents, which is seems really low for stellar to me it's like wow it's like they have gone up four percent over the last week and if you look at the top 11 that's the biggest winner <laughs> i mean everything is down this last seven days it's like like eighty one hundred dollars for bitcoin like last episode wasn't it around ten thousand did it had it had it dumped yet last well yeah it, it dumped well last, we were doing the show. News, last week it tanked while we were doing the show it it dropped from like 9400 to 8400 there was that flash crash oh yeah well we apologize for that that was our fault we did that i did not do that it's i fine. did announce it but it's, it's well, fine so you know where's the market going and and why is this happening why why is it happening well i don't know if we care too much about what anybody at jp morgan says but there's an analyst there at jp morgan and he believes that backed is responsible for the flash crash uh because it it has fallen 20 percent from 10,026 to as low as what about 7,800 dollars yeah, well, you know, it was teetering with that 10000 there for a while. It just kept bouncing back off of it, bouncing back off of it. But it wasn't taken up. It wasn't going towards 11000 really. It was just kind of just bobbling there around 10000 And then, you know, and that keeps doing that. Every once in a while, it just seems like it's going to finally bust through and, and start tanking, and it's what it did. And the back thing, you know, they were expecting – I think a lot of people were maybe expecting a lot more – you know, people to jump on board and start investing in futures there with backed. And so I think a lot of people were expecting that to sort of kick off. Uh, but right now, there's only 54 Bitcoin is being traded, right? So $430,000. It's not much considering the amount of hype. And so it's been very underwhelming. And especially when you consider the, you know, the, the futures that have been around since, what, 2018, uh, you know, so this is not this is not much. So I think that uh, it's been it's been underwhelming, and maybe that's what kind of freaked out some people. But it looks like some whales did some selling too. So that might have been that might have been part of it. So you never really know. We just know that it's down right now, and hopefully it doesn't go too far much too far downer. <laughs> or so, some people might see that as a buying opportunity. It's true. Could be. You know what? If you if you have the belief that crypto will be worth a hundred thousand or a million down the road, then $8,300 Bitcoin is bargain time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And meanwhile, we've got some of the 
big exchanges, Coinbase, Circle, Kraken, Bittrex, Grayscale, who I've not heard of, and some others, they're coming together to create the Crypto Rating Council. And the goal is so that they can evaluate and decide which assets can and cannot be traded on their platform. Now, that might not be a bad idea, especially with... You know, in America, where it's kind of hard for for us to do some trading of some cryptos and how the SEC and CFTC looks down on some of those currencies. So it does make sense that they maybe get together and say, hey, let's 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 make sure that we have a certain standard for the coins that we list on our on our exchanges. And then again, maybe they don't like your crypto project. And so they collude against putting you on there. (laughs) So depending on what side you're on, it could be good or bad, depending. But what they're doing is they're creating a points-based rating system to help define whether a crypto is a security or not. And then they're giving the tokens a score of one to five, with one meaning that the Coin is not a traditional regulated security, and five meaning that it most likely is. So Bitcoin, Litecoin, Monero have a one rating. Ethereum is given a two, and Ripple has been given a rating of four. So people are like, oh, security. Whoop, 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 whoop. And what's interesting about this system is that they're using a bunch of questions that were derived directly from the SEC and their case law. And so they've really been working hard to focus the framework on that. And so not, you know, just arbitrarily coming up with questions and doing their own. They're actually pulling from the SEC to make sure that they are as close to the law as possible. So this could be this should be pretty good for future cryptos. So what is a week in Bitcoin without John McAfee? It's sad. Like mm. he, he just he just adds so much to the space. And a uh, writer for Forbes spoke with him recently and McAfee put some tweets out last week and he is still sticking by his one million by the end of 2020 prediction. And he's saying 50,000 this year. That is crazy. Like there's literally less than three months left of the year. Like what planet is he on and how long are the years in a in a McAfee year? Like literally, universe. it's eight thousand dollars right now. Do you really think it's going to hit fifty thousand dollars by December thirty first? No, I've not seen any indication that it is going to skyrocket. That there's anything anywhere that's shown us anything that says that Bitcoin's going to hit fifty thousand by the end of this year in in less than a hundred days. Well, you know how quick was the run up before from you know from ten thousand to twenty thousand? It happened in that was just what, overnight a couple weeks. That was like uh, right. it was just so quick. It was like pop, 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 pop. It, it hit five thousand, and then hit ten, and then hit fifteen, and then hit twenty, then then hit back down to three thousand two hundred. Right. So, I mean, theoretically, it's possible. What sent Bitcoin before on that wild ride? There, there wasn't well, there was anything. So much activity. Yeah, but it wasn't like there's more. I bet you there's more volume being traded now than there was then. So the number of cryptocurrency wallets have increased exponentially, says a Statista report. There's more than 40 million cryptocurrency wallets have been created as of mid-2019. So last time they did this check was, I believe, was in 2016, and there was only around 8 million. So the amount of wallets that have gone from mid-2016 to mid-2019 is 5x. 
five times as many wallets. That's a lot. That is huge. I'd like to see this actual report. Is there a link to it somewhere? Well, look, listen to this. What's crazy about it is the the numbers from Statista's report are only based on the single crypto wallet provider, blockchain.com. So blockchain.com went from 8 million to 40, 40 million, five times increase. But there's other wallets out there too. There's a lot of wallets out there. And, yeah. um, you know, you, between you and I, we have a million of them. Coin Wallet has more than 20 million new Coin Wallets accounts have been opened. Who knows how many Coinbase accounts have been opened, how many eToro accounts have been opened. So, like, this number, if you think about that, then, from just blockchain's wallet, right, That's there could have been 100 million or more wallets opened up in the last two, three years. I thought That's you were going to beatbox for a moment because you were like, what the what the what the what the f what the wallet yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean when i look at how many different ones i have opened over the last couple of years i'm not using all of them but i could definitely see how a crypto enthusiast would have a bunch of them um but there's a lot of people that have just opened one wallet mm-hmm. well because a lot of times there's a coin that you want on a certain exchange it's only on one exchange like bad coin so you got to get a wallet over there, right? You got to you got to get a Boa Exchange wallet, and then if you want to get a you want to get one of these other tokens, if you want to you know get some Divi, you got to get the Crex Twenty Four wallet, or you got to set up a Bitrue wallet, right? So it's just like like a lot of these coins are just specific to particular exchanges, and so you got to set up a wallet there. So it's crazy. Mm. And if you want to hold Nasgo, you should get the Nasgo wallet, our other sponsor for the show. Nasgo, the GoDaddy of the blockchains. Innovation without complication. That should be a wrap. You can beatbox that for me. I'll be like, innovation without complication. <laughs> Here's the innovation. Yeah, lots of innovation. <laughs> they have developed a solution for businesses to get onto the blockchain frontier. Frontier? <laughs> One of them there here, frontiers. I'm, like, uh, I'm really hungry. I need some munchies here. I'm going to need a munch of the French. I'm, I'm going to have a seat here in my front chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have an easy to use wallet. It's got all the tools you need to advance your business without having to spend a bunch. Nasgo is a decentralized network and it opens up endless opportunities, opportunities without ending to conduct global e-commerce with trusted blockchain technology immune to a single point of failure, Nasgo connects publishers and developers to a global community of clients who enjoy its simple-to-use solutions. If you want to build a blockchain for your business, go check it out. Go to nasgo.com today and download the app. Got to see what this thing's all about. Nasgo, do it. Also in the news, gold, not Bitcoin, is drawing haven demand on U.S. recession fears. Mr. Joe Com, there's, there's talk about a recession happening and uh, the U.S. Institute of Supply Management said Tuesday that manufacturing is falling, uh, and they said that it's below fifty. It's below fifty overall, and that indicates a contraction in the manufacturing activity. And that data suggests that there is a bloated risk, potential risk of recession in 2020. And there's a nice chart here by popular analyst Holger Zespich. I don't know if he said his name correctly, but Spitz. I don't know. He's got a chart, and it, 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 there's a nice correlation. And it shows like when the market crashed in 2001 after 9-11, when the market crashed in 2008, 
and it looks like we're setting up for that sort of it's not quite so high yet but it's it's getting there and uh, so there's a potentiality that in 2020 we could have a serious recession now gold has risen recently from 60 from 1460 to $1500 per ounce so it's sitting at $1500 per ounce right now which uh might still keep growing Mr. Jolcom and so you say the economy is bloated it's like has it been eating too many beans or something Mm, yeah big time yeah they need well basically what needs to happen is there's too much gas and the economy needs to fart yeah i bet don't you know that's bad for the environment cow farts (laughs) that's true we're doomed we're doomed (laughs) we're all gonna die you know what i i'm not concerned um i i feel like so on the surface the economy is strong now we know that with the fed in doing the shenanigans they do that underneath there's some serious serious problems but you know people are buying stuff they're spending money more people are at work than uh, than ever before and i think that the media is creating fear out there i think that they're stoking the the now i know charts also data doesn't necessarily lie but um whenever people try to predict what's going to happen i'm like mm, I don't know. I'm not afraid. Well, it's good. I I would say that, though, the everything bubble will collapse eventually. We've talked about it before. There's a book called The Everything Bubble. Read it. It's really interesting. And uh, you know what? These these inflationary economies cannot last forever. They don't last forever. In fact, fiat currency economies are built to eventually crash. That's the that's the point. And and at the end of a, a currency life cycle, there's normally a lots and lots of craziness that goes on, and we're starting to see some of that craziness already. And I don't know if we've ever seen craziness like this that we've that we've seen in society today with so much dissension and division and whatnot. But I, I do agree with what you said, though. The media does prop up fear. Mostly that's its modus operandi is, is keep people fear fearful and riled up and angry at each other and not mad at the system or not mad at the elites running the system. They want us pointing the finger at each other. So we're mad at each other, not at them. I'm so, I'm so angry at you, Travis, or I'm pointing my finger at you. Don't do that. Don't do that. I like, I I like you. Um, I'm good with it. So meanwhile, here in the U S a number of lawmakers are asking the federal reserve about a national digital currency what would a u.s dollar digital currency look like so um a letter was provided to the fed reserve board chairman jerome powell by french hill and bill foster two u.s representatives and they expressed concerns that the importance of the u.s dollar could be in jeopardy from wide adoption of digital fiat currencies and, and yes that's the point that isn't that the point that mm-hmm. the U.S. dollar is already in trouble. It's not because of cryptocurrencies, though, right? It's 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 because of the dollar. It is because of fiat currency. It's because of inflationary paper money that they keep printing in perpetuity, right? And the price of everything continues to go up over time. If we had a stable currency that was basically like gold and silver was before fiat currency came around, like the price of everything would be way, way less. Like we, we would be, see, we'd probably still be buying cars for $5,000 and, and buying gas for like 30 cents a gallon. But since the price in the, in the economy, uh, the way that it is based on fiat currency, 
then the price of everything goes up over time because it's everything's inflationary and the value of the spending power of your dollar goes down over time, which is the exact opposite of what's happened with Bitcoin, which is why we're so bullish on it. So the former Federal Reserve official Simon Potter said that proposals to end the U.S. dollar's dominance by replacing it with a digital currency makes no sense. And let me actually read his quote here. I see no argument that makes sense to have something that complicated out there when you have large liquid capital markets in the U.S. Not having one currency that you can basically price things and have a deep market in, that makes life much harder for the global economy. See, he said they say that now. But meanwhile, China is just a few months away from release, either releasing or releasing their plans for mm-hmm. their national digital currency. And we're mm-hmm. going to be over here. We're here. We are in this trade war with China and we're going to be like lagging behind again. Mm-hmm. Well, that is one thing that I will say about this administration is that they've been fighting, you know, stuff on all fronts that they've not really been able to focus on the future so much. There's so many fires that the Trump administration has to put out because of all the accusations and all this and all that. Then I really think that in some ways we are slipping behind just because of the nature of the climate that's going on politically in, in America. And, and so they're not able to focus on some of these key issues that can keep us strong in the future. It's like the whole idea of this thing is make America great again. But it's like we want to be great in the future. We want to stay great. We want to, we want to be a, a strong country. And fiat currency long term doesn't allow that. So we got to make we got to start making uh, a, a, you know, plans to find out new solutions because what hap- what's going to happen someday, and this is not even a conspiracy theory, but eventually the U.S. dollar will no longer be the global reserve currency. Every time there's been a global reserve currency going all the way back to the Portuguese back in the ni- in the 1400s, it, they reach their they reach the pinnacle and then their time is over. And you know, it was the Portuguese and the Dutch, and then. And then the Spanish real, and then you know the the the, um, the European or the uh, the English pound, and then since the 1940s, it's been the U.S. dollar, and eventually that's going to go away. It always goes away, and when it does, it's going to be crazy because the the world buys their oil with with dollars, and so there needs to be a digital equivalent. And really, quite frankly, there already is a digital equivalent. There's mostly just numbers on the screen. Of the 100% of the U.S. dollars that we have, it's like 98 point something percent of them are just numbers on a screen. They're just digits in debt, and they're not really printed out dollars. So we do have digital currency mostly. It's just not It's just not decentralized, and they've just not stated that that's the case. But it's not backed by blockchain, that's for sure. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of the world, there is a country – that is now officially the first to have a legal framework for blockchain. And I just like to say the name, Liechtenstein. Ain't that fun? Say it again. Say it again then. Liechtenstein. Won't you be mine? I think you're fine, Liechtenstein. It's a small, tiny country. It's there between Austria and Switzerland. And oh. uh, they've got this blockchain act. Oh. Yeah, so what's was, was interesting is they have they have a legal framework now for the blockchain industry. Now, what does that mean? Well, blockchain companies need to have better legal frameworks so they can, you know, 
feel more comfortable. Like there's not a good blockchain. There's not a good blockchain legal framework in America for blockchain companies, which is why they're leaving. And so, you know, there was a lot of players involved in forming the blockchain act from Bitcoin Suisse, the CEO to the founder of Nagali law, uh, Thomas Nagali. In fact, the, uh, the prime minister of Liechtenstein also has been working on this act for about three years. So they want to become a haven for, for the blockchain space. Liechtenstein. I, I could say it all day. It just makes me happy. I mean, it's more fun to say Liechtenstein than Germany, France, China, Switzerland. Switzerland is a little fun, you know, but Liechtenstein, it's just, it's just more fun. You can just kind of mix them up too. You can go Liechtenstein. <laughs> That's how Trump what? said. That's how Trump said. <laughs> I don't even know. I... Uh, meanwhile, let's jump back to the other side of the world. Uh, you know what? There's uh so I'm actually gonna drop another story in here right now, Travis, because Uh-oh, while I'm, like a I'm on trustnodes.com and I was about to announce the story, but here in the column, there is a question, you know, of course, of who Satoshi is, and people are asking Linus Torvalds, who's the inventor of Linux. If he invented Bitcoin and he will not say he didn't. So is is Linus Torvalds another candidate to be Satoshi Nakamoto? Well, it's it's really, really interesting. So no one thought to ask this question, they say in this article. But the first Bitcoin binaries were Windows only. So, you know. If he had made it only in Linux, then maybe that might have been a thing. But maybe he was doing that on purpose. So he says that the Torvalds hates C++, which is Bitcoin's coding language. And so uh, and just as Bitcoin was being invented, Torvalds said this back in 2007. C++ is a horrible language. It's made more horrible by the fact that a lot of substandard programmers use it to the point where it's much, much easier to generate total and utter crap with it. So he doesn't like it. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you didn't do it and you're asked, why wouldn't you just say, no, I didn't invent it, right? Well, because maybe he maybe he wanted to get a little bit of press out of it because here he is. He said he didn't confirm nor deny. And so now here we are talking about Linus Torvalds. This is an interesting article. You guys might want to pick this up in the show notes along with all the other links. Uh, it's it, it seems to be a fairly lengthy read, and, and uh, we have not read it. I just spotted it. But if you'll go to badco.in forward slash 316, you will find the link to this story as well as all of the stories we're referencing today in the show notes. But here's the article that um, I got distracted from, and this is around Block One which is the company behind EOS. Remember, they raised billions of dollars in their ICO uh, starting in 2017 in just you know over a year. And the American SEC brought charges against them. And basically, they've settled for $24 million, which is nothing compared to the amount of money that they raised. I mean, they, so they raised $4 billion, and it, it says that there was a violation of securities regulations there, and their penalty is $24 million. Yeah, so so that goes to show, folks, the, IC, the ICO market should kick back on. Let's all raise shitloads of money because we're only going to have a very small fine, really. Okay, $4 billion? 
And then, you know, that's that same sort of crap that happens with big banks, too. Have you noticed that? Like, mm-hmm. they, they do get all this easy. penalty. They do all these penalties. They get all this stuff, and they get fined, like, just such small amounts. Like, they end up hosing or they end up hosing some of their customers and end up making billions and billions of dollars. They're like, oh, we got to slap you on the hand. Here's a $20 million fine. And you're like, what? We just made $4, million, $4 billion and we have a $24 million fine. I, I don't know. I would do that all day. So the settlement has to do with the original EOS token, which was an ERC-20 token, right? So when they did their fundraise, they sold on the Ethereum blockchain, but that token has been swapped. And since it's no longer in circulation or traded, it means the token doesn't have to be registered as a security. So according to this article, the settlement resolves all ongoing matters between Block 1 and the SEC. And maybe now... You know, we can get some news out of Block One about EOS Voice. I mean, come on, guys. We even started a podcast called the EOS right. Voice News, and uh-huh. we've only gotten to episode two of it because there's no freaking news. Can you please say something? Mm. And maybe that was the deal. You know, I think about this, Mr. Joel Cobb. Uh, their, their fine to the SEC was $6 million less than them buying the voice.com <laughs> domain name. Right. Yeah, they spent $30 million on voice.com and they better do something with it. So, Travis, you know, we're going to see some of the EOS team at an EOS event that takes place at Vegas Blockchain Week. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, it's time for some investigative uh, journalism. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it doesn't mean that you take hearsay and report it as news like the mainstream media does today. An anonymous source told an anonymous source that another anonymous source had mac and cheese for dinner. Mm. You know, I, that, that's not news. Yes, it is. Mac and cheese is delicious. It is delicious. But it's but anonymous sources are not news, gang. So real journalism means that you, you know what that is a actually, primary source. It's it, that's actually gossip. What's, you know, what's weird is that our news is turned into gossip. It's like watching National Enquirer or TMZ. And I think in some cases, TMZ is more accurate than a lot of the mainstream news. It's just crazy what's happened. And again, it all boils down to the Smith-Munt Modernization Act. If you've never read it, go do research on it, 2012. Smith-Munt, M-U-N-D-T. That basically said that the news could use propaganda and lie to us legally. And that's what happens. And here's where we are. Um, here's a piece of news that I find is interesting uh, that may or may not be fake news, but the CEO of Bixie, B-E-A-X-Y, disappears as the exchange struggles to remain solvent. Like, they cannot find the CEO. Like, he's gone dark. They've, they've had some hacks. They've had some internal mismanagement, and they say that the exchange is maybe on its last legs, and the CEO is nowhere to be found. So we had uh our tech on bad crypto back mm-hmm. in let's see episode spotlight number 42 so it would have been august 16 2018 he was on the show to talk about the exchange and uh they were trying to be an all-in-one crypto exchange but it looks like solvency has become an issue it's really unusual when somebody just completely drops off the radar and as a result um, the price of BC volume went up and the price dropped like 50%. However, there's an update to this article, Travis. Yeah, is, this just happened. This actually literally the update just occurred. Mm-hmm, while we've been recording a uh, his Twitter account, Artek Hamazespian. 
Hamas Espian. I can't. It's a long name. His Twitter account replied to a random user to affirm that he is here and was gone to a family emergency. So maybe, maybe not. Could be fake news. Don't know. But yeah, first tweet in first tweet in three weeks. Yeah. So is that you know was that a reliable source or not? Is BC done? We don't know. But it is it, you know sensational news definitely is interesting. You know yeah. even if it's fake. Well, one thing we do know is that the BXY token has plummeted in value. So I was sitting around a little over two cents, and now it's you know way under one cent. So it has gone down substantially. Interesting. Libra remains in the news from Facebook, and from them directly, the Facebook Libra nodes are now live on the pre mainnet, and they are on track with their roadmap. Quote from the roadmap says, launching the test net has allowed the team to quickly improve Libra Core by making it easy to troubleshoot, diagnose, and resolve software edge cases. The test net demonstrates Libra network functionality and provides early access to developers. Following the test net, we hope to have a successful launch of the Libra mainnet. And so they're moving forward regardless, uh, you know, what regulators say, but they're still having issues with regulators and our other stories, Mr. Travis Wright, are surrounding that issue. That's that's very true. And the thing is, is that well, we've talked about this. Even if America says, no, you can't do it. Well, they'll just pack up and, and move to an island somewhere or move to Malta. Right. Like I, I could foresee that happening where they say they claim that their headquarters is there and they just have a satellite office in Silicon Valley or something or whatever. But so there's there's even if regulators tell them no, there's still going to be ways around it. There's going to be countries that do allow them to do it. And and some of these American banking giants, though, who have said that they're going to be part of Libra in other news, they said, well, uh, maybe we won't. They're, they're, they're becoming more noncommittal. They're saying, I don't know if we're going to be part of this or not. Uh. Yeah, there's uh, both banks as well as MasterCard and Visa are reconsidering Libra because of the criticism around regulation. And they they don't want to deal with the criticism, right? They they want to have smooth sailing for what they're doing. But apparently PayPal is now unsure about signing up. Um, and Facebook is pushing back the launch as well. Well, there was also a conversation that was leaked from Zuckerberg rallying his troops there at Facebook talking about some of this stuff and you know they're going to keep pushing through they're going to keep they're going to keep focused on it he also said that one of the things that i thought was interesting was that he said that if warren becomes president that's going to suck because he wants to try to you know uh, smack facebook break it apart uh, because they have instagram and whatsapp and you know some other platforms and stuff and now they're going to do libra so they're like well maybe they need to be broken apart and so there, it was a really interesting, if you've had a chance to listen to that leaked video or leaked audio that's come through from that, it, it shares a lot of interesting things. But they're going to keep moving forward. They're going to keep doing the, the Libra thing. They're just they're just trying to be more cautious now and not trying to ruffle too many feathers. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, use cases are really key to continued adoption. And, I, you know, I'm not really all that familiar with Cardano, but a major uh, retailer, uh, manufacturer, New Balance Shoes, has announced that they're going to be using Cardano to confirm mm-hmm. product authenticity. See, that's the type of stuff that we need to see. We need to right. see real world implementation of blockchain being used 
by you know Fortune 500 companies. That's that is what for me secures the future of blockchain. Yeah, and think about that though. New Balance. Like I don't know that I've ever thought of anybody, you know, having a pair of fake New Balances. Like if you're go- if you're going to, you know, have some swag. I mean, I like New Balance. They're comfortable. I have white feet, so New Balance are really comfortable. But it would make more sense to me that because the sneaker business has become really big, right? And like uh there's a lot of sneaker heads out there and like and some people are paying ridiculous amounts for some of these sneakers. I think that more so instead of like new balance right off the line, are these authentic or not? I want to know, are these pair of 1998 Jordans? Are these, are these legit? Right. Are these? So, I mean, I think that that's the whole sneaker industry. Nike specifically needs to jump on board on confirming product authenticity, because I think there's more fake, nikes out there than maybe anyone else is because of the jordan brand and lebron and some of those other shoes out there you can see how you know china does some knockoffs on those i've actually been to shanghai where there's like a mall that has all these knockoffs of all these brands and they're indistinguishable because these are actually the factories that make the real product and they have overages and then they just sell the overages in this mall inside shanghai and the prices are just ridiculous. Like I got a couple pair of Oakleys when I was there that they actually took the lenses out and made me uh, prescription frames right there. So I had like a badass pair of, of uh, you know, Oakley sunglasses and a pair of Dolce & Gabbana. They, they're, they're beautiful. They're exactly the same because they're made in the exact same factory. They're just not part of the sanctioned 50,000 order that that company did. So maybe what happens is, is they say, okay, we have enough fabric or enough material to make 55,000 and you want 50,000. So then they give the company the 50,000. They have these 5,000 extra ones that they made and then they just sell them in the black market. So they're really official, but they're not official, which is weird. I think the problem might be bigger than than you would estimate because when I looked up fake New Balance shoes, there is a ton of articles out there. And apparently celebrities like Kanye West, Gigi Hadid, and Kara Delevingne have been seen wearing New Balance shoes with their outfits. And so when people see that, fake companies make all kinds of uh, false versions. And there's a number of sites out here that show how to identify fake New Balance shoes by the packaging, the box, the label, the logo, the sole, the shoe tongue. Uh, You could use an ultraviolet light to see a logo on the back of the tongue that you wouldn't see necessarily in a knockoff. And so, uh, you know, I I applaud them for trying to solve the problem. They don't want no no fake news, no fake shoes. Uh, You know what? I like wearing New Balance. They're very comfortable. Of all the tennis shoes that I've worn, I mean, I have some flat, you know, I have flat feet. I have some Fred Flintstone feet. So New Balance really work well for me. So cool deal. Crypto and New Balance. Meet the Flintstones. They're the Yabba Dabba family. You know, from the advisory um, department of the show and our sponsor eToro recently tweeted that they are welcoming Peloton, which uh, is uh, their fitness company, right? Isn't Peloton, don't they make fitness gear? They make those uh, those bikes. They have Peloton. Classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have those yeah. Bi- those bikes, which is great. I got one. I, you know what? I bought it during I think January of 2018 when crypto was good, and I bought one. And I bet I've used that thing ten times, maybe. The thing is, is that it's such a waste because it's like 
It has a big video screen on it, but you can only watch Peloton rate like classes. Like I would like mm. to sit there and watch Mr. Robot. Like if the I could, I, I like to see, yeah, I'd like to sit there and watch a show that I'm. I would watch a sporting event with the thing on there. It's got a big screen on it. It's nice, but it only connects to Peloton racing. And I think now there's some some new hacks that are that have come out and hap- that have happened where you know you can access Netflix and whatever. But it's like. Yeah, they should have actually came with that. Like, hey, have Peloton be an app that I can just watch this on here, or if I want to watch a TV show, I can do that. I would, I would use it a hell of a lot more if I could have, you know, different things of different entertainment. Well, after the IPO, apparently eToro is listing them on the platform, and it looks like from Divi, uh, Nick Sapinero, who's been on the show multiple times, and we are advisors for DiviProject.org. He said we're now testing Divi SMS in four different countries and prepared. To to take the initiative to production african and south american countries will be the focus um and so this is this is great you know sms your uh, your divi tokens my master nodes they're still uh doing their thing master noting away master noting away and you know what that's really interesting and i love these solutions that are that are doing these kind of things like if, if you're able to start receiving crypto just by receiving a text message to your phone number that's huge like when we were when we were in Bali and we were sitting down with the the CEO of of uh, MobiPay, we sat down and he goes, "Oh, well, let me send you some crypto." And I'm like, "Okay, well, let me download the wallet." He goes, "No, don't worry about it. What's your phone number?" And I'm like, "Here's my phone number." And like, boom, sent me an SMX text, right? SMS, and then I opened it up, and then I went over and set up a wallet right from that, and then it knew that it was my phone number, and so it had my crypto attached to it. I think that kind of easy use stuff is so handy because who wants to know like, yeah, send me some crypto at three G Z five, nine R T three. And here's this huge long character, or you already have my phone number and you already have my email. You could literally send us Moby pay to either one of those, which is mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Uh, Moby was on a recent uh, episode. You guys might want to go back and listen to that. We we've been talking to them. We think there could be some big things ahead. And also, you know, NAS goes Amico wallet works the same way. All you mm-hmm. need is your phone number and, uh, you know, it verifies it to your phone. You log in and you've got instant access. You don't have to have this major wallet address. Yeah. And those are the types of tools that we really find that that we gravitate towards tools that have potential mass adoption capabilities. Like what are what's the tool going to be that just sets the world on fire and makes everyone adopt crypto? I think that's the one fire in a good way. Right. Uh, We don't want it. We don't want the world to be on fire in a bad way. We want it to we want crypto to take to take off. And so that's what we do is we really look for those ones that have that mass adoption appeal. Let it burn. Burn, baby, burn. Oh, not. Now, I was just going to say, now I need to add another song to the uh, the Bad Crypto playlist. And so if you guys aren't how many following songs, that, How many songs are on that, by the way? Um, let me take a look right now. I'm going to add Disco Inferno to it as we speak. And uh, the Bad Crypto song list on Spotify, which I believe there is a short link for it, but it's not forward slash Spotify because that will take you to Spotify itself. I can't remember what I set for the playlist, but there's 32 songs on it right now. Uh-huh. And, there, and I'm sure we've mentioned well over, you know, 100 or so on the show. It's just that we didn't start building this playlist until August of this year. So yeah. hope you guys enjoy the Bad Crypto I can't song actually list. Find this. So what is the Bad Crypto song list called? 
So the URL to see it is badco.in forward slash playlist. And this is like, uh, these are the songs that we like, you know, because basically whenever there's a song reference on the show, it's because one of us has been triggered, you know, to say a lyric or sing a, uh, a, a phrase. That's true. Looks like there's 32 songs on there currently. Uh, we, mm-hmm. We've mentioned way more than that, but it looks like we've not, a lot of those older episodes, we, ne- we have not uh, got those in there. So if you happen to listen to an older episode, you hear a song that's not there, it's a public list. You can go ahead and stop, collaborate, and listen and drop that song onto the playlist, and then we'll all be able to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.